Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Playoff time! Hey! Welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 411. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and that's right, it's playoff time. We had the first two games of the, of the 2019 CFL playoffs today. Uh, the semifinals, both in West and East, and I don't know. what. Do we have divisions anymore? I think so. I'm not sure. Okay, anyhow, beside the point. Okay, what really irks your chain. Okay, well, you know what? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They've been playing like shit for quite some time, okay? Their main quarterback, Matt Nix, goes down. Chris Trevler comes in. He plays okay. He's not great. He wins some games, loses some games. Bombers are on a bit of a slot. Boom, bang, whatever. They trade Zach Caleros. Good move, in my opinion. Right away, I said the Bomber fans are going to be excited about Zach Caleros. Everybody goes, what are we getting this guy in? He's fragile. He's made of glass. Right, yeah, well, he just won you two very important football games, didn't he? Anyhow, um, beside the point, uh, so, you know, the Bomber fans, we haven't seen it. We haven't even had Mark on the show because he's, like, moping the corner because the team has been been shit. We we don't hear from Jared or Chase Zanwich on, 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 the, on the Facebook group groups because they, they just can't come out they don't do it now that the bombers have won a playoff game oh my god everybody's coming out of the woodwork and beating off okay we got some serious rules in this let's talk cfl uh, facebook group okay don't disrespect people don't swear don't be a dickhead well it kind of eliminates most bomber fans um but no gloating oh my god Oh, my God. Have you guys looked at the the posts on there? Unbelievable. The Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans are pathetic. They they just cannot contain themselves. They're just out of control, and they're just in your face, and they're picking on Calgary Stampeder fans. Now, I know Calgary Stampeder fans are, you know what, they're kind of like their team. They're not really arrogant. They just know that they're very comfortable, and they're a very strong football team. Well, they weren't a strong football team today, and the fans, you know what, just let them take the, this lump. They, they they lost a playoff game. They lost a semifinal game. Do you know how long it's been since they've been in a semifinal game? Never mind, lost one. Uh, it, it's, it's forever. Okay, so you know what? Leave the Curry fam, Stampeder fans alone. But no, the Bomber fans got to be fucking assholes and in your face gloat. And oh my God, it's pathetic. And yeah, Jared is right out there, and so is Chase and the two brothers. And uh, it's just I don't know. It's just totally beyond itself you know what you don't hear this shit from edmonton fans no you don't no edmonton eskimo fans are not being dickheads no it's just bomber fans so there's no way in hell that i can cheer for the winnipeg blue bombers okay their fans are not humble they're assholes okay i cannot cheer for the edmonton eskimos because it's just the edmonton eskimos right i i go back to the days Five straight breakup victories? No, man. I had Eskimo fans next door to me growing up, and they were constantly in your face. I, I cannot cheer for the Edmonton Eskimos under any circumstances. I understand, and, and, and they're, 
their demise and, and, and anyhow, but I, I just can't do it. Okay. Saskatchewan is absolutely the worst team. I could never cheer for Saskatchewan Rough Riders under any circumstances. No way. It's not going to happen. I don't like their fans any more than I like the Bomber fans right now. And, 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 and the team has no morals or ethics, and they, they're just no. Okay? So it comes down to Hamilton. Hamilton Tiger Cats. And they have Brandon Banks, who I think is the biggest goof in the CFL. And now I have to cheer for Hamilton. Other than that, or I'm just not going to watch football for the rest of the year. I don't know what to do. What, it's very confusing. Do I cheer for Hamilton, or I just stop watching the games? <sighs> I'm so confused. Anyhow, um, yeah, so that's what happened today. We had two, two playoff games, and I guess you can tell who won. Calgary didn't, and uh, nor did Montreal. Montreal was kind of ho- hoping that Montreal was going to win, but uh, they didn't. I picked Edmonton to win and i guess i was the only one i'm not sure i didn't really look at phil's scores um and uh yeah and uh we all picked calgary except for mark so um i guess he kind of wins that one too so we'll talk about these things these games as we're coming up so i'm going to introduce the fans and see where it is no skin in the game today charles how you doing buddy just i'm doing well mike's on now there you go yep no, I'm doing well. It's it's much different watching playoff games when you don't really care who wins. You really it's don't a give a shit. Do you? And a lot more, it's a lot less stressful and a lot more enjoyable. Because actually, yeah. to be fair, both games were actually very good. Did I mean the 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 Western game, uh, the Winnipeg Calgary game, got one sided late, but for three quarters that was a close, hard fought game. So it was actually both games were really enjoyable to watch. I, yep. I I kind of I watched the end of the Montreal game, or you know, on and off because I'm I'm still working outside getting ready for winter. But I watched mm-hmm. the last uh, you know ten minutes of the uh, of the fourth quarter, and I really thought Montreal was going to come back and do it. And then Vernon Adams, who was actually playing pretty good, threw two picks, very untimely picks. Yep. Uh, and and it it was just it's over, it's just mm-hmm. over. Uh, sad to see, sad to see, and I'm sorry that yep. the Montreal Alouettes, because they had such a a Cinderella like season, you kind of were cheering for them just cause, and yep. uh, well, I definitely because that I can't cheer for Edmonton, so I was definitely cheering for the Owls, but uh, it didn't happen, and I really don't like Bo Levi Mitchell, and so it really is a challenge for me to cheer for the Calgary Stampeders. But that being said, they I I do respect the team. I cannot respect the Bombers at all, not one iota. Um, okay, so let's uh, open up some more mics. We got 403. This has got to be Will. Will, welcome to the show, buddy. Why is Blog Talk taking so long? Yeah. There you go. The mic's open. Well, guess guess what? I will cheer for the Bombers. Really? I don't know if they're going to get there, but if they do get them there, I will cheer for them. I will not cheer for Saskatchewan, and I will not Ever. cheer for Edmonton. So I guess I guess it's either... Hamilton or Winnipeg, and if Winnipeg is in the Grey Cup, I will cheer for Winnipeg 100%, because one of my good friends is also coming from Winnipeg to watch the Grey Cup with me, So, and I will cheer for the Bombers, because I used to be a Bomber fan in a former life, and I think Montreal got everything they deserved today, because they started their shit at the beginning of the game that they always do. There was a tussle before the game. That's what Montreal does. And I guess they just pissed off the wrong football team today because they got their shit kicked out of them. Pretty simple. They lost. 
and they could have yeah. went to the Great Cup. But there you go. Well, I don't know Very if they could have gone to the Great Cup. I, I don't think Montreal had the ability to beat the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't think they did. Well, I think I they just beat don't, them once this yeah. year already. They beat them once yeah. this year, so. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a long time ago, though. No, I, I really don't don't think they could have done it. Didn't Phil say somewhere that he wasn't going to be on the show tonight? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And did he not put post up his scores for the, the, the two games or no? Well, he was on with us last on Wednesday, so I don't have Phil's scores down here. He wasn't oh. on, uh, he wasn't wasn't on the show with us. Wasn't he on Wednesday? No, I guess he wasn't. No. It was just the three of us on Wednesday. Yeah. So there you go. It uh He gets a zero. Mm-hmm. He gets a he zero. Gets two zeros. He gets two zeros. That's it, Phil. You're 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 behind the eight ball. Okay, and and there's not really any competition for the other two for the for the two games that were there. Okay. Uh, oh well, we still have Mark to open up here. Let's open up the mic here. Let Mark in. Mark, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's good to be back. Yeah. And it's not because they won. Sorry to burst that bubble for you. Why else would it be? Yeah. It's because it's Remembrance Day tomorrow, so I've got the day off. Oh. I don't have to be up at 2.30 in the morning. Funny, though, how you always come to the, the show, even when you've got to, got to work the next day, when uh, when your team's winning. But <laughs> Not when anyhow. I'm getting up at 2.30 in the morning. But <laughs> Okay, anyhow. Anyhow, okay. So, did you enjoy the game? I did. I enjoyed yeah. both games. I thought he'd say no. Yeah. I especially enjoyed the second game. Yeah, I don't. Just the ending on the yeah. second game, eh? No, the second okay. half of the second game. Yeah, well, that too. <sighs> okay. So, are we going to talk some football now, or have we been doing that already? Uh Edmonton Eskimos and the Montreal Alouettes. Edmonton being the crossover team, being the pathetic fourth-place Western team, goes over to the east and takes out the other pathetic uh, eastern team of Toronto and then has to play Montreal in the playoffs. And what happens? Ooh, shit happens. Uh, Mark, go ahead. Talk about the Edmonton-Montreal game. Welcome back, by the way. eh? It's good to have you back now that your team's winning again, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's because they're winning, right? So at least they'll all be on two more times. Um, Next next week you're going to be off again, eh? But no, I'll be back on the next two weeks for sure. Uh, The Edmonton-Montreal game was a lot of fun to watch. Edmonton did pull away a little bit in the first half, but then Montreal was able to chip back. Um, Adams played really well, but Trevor Harris was outstanding. Wasn't he 22 for 22 at one point in time? Yeah, he started off 22 straight receptions. He finished the game with only three incompletions. He had a 92% completion. So, good Trevor Harris showed up. Good Trevor showed up today. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Good well, that means Hamilton's that. winning next week, right? Well, that's a bad <laughs> omen for next week, as I was going to say. Uh, except they've got Trevor Harris as their quarterback, and he loves playing Eastern teams. We know that. So, but the, Edmonton was full marks for this victory. I really didn't think they would be able to go out and manhandle Montreal the way they did. Uh, Will is right. Montreal started their shit, and all it did was fire up Edmonton. I think Edmonton's a better right. team. They are Quite a better frankly. team. Yeah. They, they could be a better team, but we've also seen them play horrible football of late. So, really, the game was a toss-up, and Edmonton was just that much better today, for sure. It was good to see a really big crowd in Montreal again. Mm -hmm. They had a really good-sized crowd. It was close to sold out, which is... It's nice to see football being big back in Montreal. Um, Vernon Adams just made one too many bad throws at the end of the game there. He had the two interceptions right near the end and it just you're not going to come back from that he had the chance to maybe win the game and it just it didn't work it's you know it's good to see Montreal now has a starting quarterback going forward Edmonton could make some noise next week though if they play like this over 400 yards in offense CJ Gable had two touchdowns um, they got three interceptions on their defense, so it was a dominant win, really. You know, the score is relatively close, but Edmonton was full marks for it. So, go ahead. Okay. Next up is Charles and Will. I'm going to go grab something to drink. All right. Well, uh, to me, this one was just. Um, the Edmonton defense just didn't have a real answer for um, Trevor Harris. Uh, like we've talked about before about good Trevor and bad Trevor. When he's on, good Trevor Harris is one of the best in the league as far as I'm concerned. And he was on fire today, missing 22 straight, and like you said, only missing three passes, 92%. That's just outstanding for a quarterback in a in a big game. And uh, the uh, the Alouettes just didn't have the um, have the way to uh, stop them. Uh, certainly Montreal they battled back, scoring 19 points in the second quarter. And the Alouettes, for the most part, have been a second half team all year this year. So you got to think that when they battled back and made it close at the end of the first half, that they were probably pretty confident going into the uh, going into the dressing room at halftime. Uh, they would have had to have been. Um, so they had to come out, and um, um, you would think they would come out hot, but you know what? They actually ended up getting outscored in the second half, 12 to 10. They were keeping the Eskimos out of the end zone, but they weren't putting enough in the end zone themselves, and they had chances to take the lead in the fourth quarter, and a couple of bad interceptions by Vernon Adams kind of did them in. So um, it was a tough one for the Alouettes. Uh, they had been uh, a, a team that uh, kind of got a reputation of being a team that could make comebacks throughout the regular season, but... Um, 
they didn't have one more left in the playoffs, so that was unlucky for them. And uh, as it turns out, they weren't able to pull off one more uh, miracle. Give credit to the Eskimos. They went in and took care of business. Um, I really still think they're hard-pressed to beat Hamilton. Um, I really do, but they got the job done today, so good for them. Uh, so we'll see how Edmonton makes out next week in Hamilton. Go ahead, Will. I'm well, back, by the way. Like I said, like I said, I think Montreal pissed off the wrong team today, and it seemed to really fire up Trevor Harris. And I was, I was listening. I think it was on the broadcast today. They were saying last year Trevor Harris uh, sat through the entire Stampeder celebration after they won the Great Cup and basically said to himself he wanted, never wanted to be in that situation again. And I guess maybe he was really motivated today. Maybe you guys can tell me. I don't know. Um, how often does the crossover team win the game? It's only happened in twice. West, in, oh, this is the second time or this is the third time? This is the third. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, is in that fact, correct, Charles? So a, yeah, I believe so. And I think before today, the Lions were the only team that had ever won a crossover game. They had won it twice, yeah. and I don't think anyone else had. That's correct. That, that's my yeah. understanding. I, I'm going to do some research while Will talks. Okay. Before Will talks? No, as Will well, talks. Talk now. Oh, as Shut Will up. talks. Um, yeah, you know what? For what I watched of the game, because I was on my way to the Calgary game, um, it was a pretty decent, pretty exciting football game. Uh, Ellingson had a great day, but he's always been Trevor Harris's favorite target. So, you know what? Good on good on Edmonton because nobody gave him a chance, and they won a playoff game. That's a start. So we'll see what happens next week. So, but uh, Montreal, sorry, Hamilton has not lost in Hamilton this year. So that's a pretty tall order. And I'm, I would assume, maybe I'm wrong. I would assume that Edmonton is going to stay out there this week, or would they fly back? I don't <laughs> think they would. I think they'll probably Hard stay out say. there. That would be my guess. Yeah. I would assume so. So we'll see what happens. Go ahead, CJ. Are you still looking? Uh, I, I'm looking, but it's uh, i I'm really confused by a lot of things. It says only three times has the uh, crossover team won. Uh, you know, prior, maybe Edmonton won once. I too. think Edmonton has won it once before. BC has won it twice that I know of. It says there's only three times in 11 matchups has the crossover team won the football game. So in in 21 seasons, it's it, it, it's the crossover rules happened nine times, and out of those nine times, only three times people uh, the team has won. Uh, that's this was from September of this year, so obviously that's a long time ago and has nothing to do with today's games. Uh, two teams have, uh, have played in the Eastern Finals. Uh, BC lost to Montreal in 2009, and Edmonton lost to Montreal in 2008. So I guess that's it. It's only Edmonton and, and BC. 
Yep. Hmm. Okay. But wait a minute. That can't be right. Didn't uh, Saskatchewan once play in, played uh, Toronto in the Eastern Final a few years ago? Well, 2017, doesn't it say? I'm looking at it. It looks like that's that's what happened. Yeah, okay. So Edmonton hasn't won it previously then. Winnipeg, the won it in 2000 it and, Winnipeg won it in 2008. BC Lions won it in 2009. Edmonton yeah. won it in 2016. And Saskatchewan won it in 2017. That's what I'm so looking four at times right now. Then. Okay. So it's, it's been won five times now. All right. I got it. Out of 12, 12 times, it's been won four times. So still about 30%. Yeah. Okay. Does it make sense? Yep. BC has been in it the most, though. Yes, they have. To, they've been in it five times. They've crossed over five times. Mm-hmm. And won it once. I really thought 40%. they won it twice, but... Yeah. Okay. They're better. They got a better Grey Cup record. Right. Six for ten. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, the final score on this. Hang on. Where did I go? I, I lost my my thing here. Final score today was thirty-seven twenty-nine for the Edmonton Eskimos over Montreal Alouettes. That's the Western crossover team beating the Eastern, the second place Eastern team. In Montreal, game over. Game, set, match. Montreal is golfing. Uh, I got nothing yep. else to add to this game. It was uh, pretty cool in that regard. Uh, I'm really sad that uh, Montreal didn't win. I think they kind of they. I think that when you're a team that, that's overcome so many challenges throughout the season and you are favored to win the game, I think it's more of a letdown for them. I really do. So uh, I feel bad for them. But uh, Edmonton's moving on. Okay, the second game had the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming into Calgary to play the Stampeders. Now, the Bombers were the threat of the year until their quarterback goes down. Then they bring in a second quarterback or the same guy they had last year, which is Chris Strebler. And he plays some decent football, good, bad, hot and cold, on and off, wins some games, loses some games, whatever. Uh, basically wins the games on his feet because he can't throw the ball or shit. Um, and uh, then he uh, he gets injured and goes down, and uh, they just happen to have Zach Caleros come in, and who is just a very capable quarterback and uh, turns his team around and puts – them in the win column now yeah i know chris Trevler scored some touchdowns today and they they played tandem quarterback for the second half of this game and it seemed to work really well calgary did not have an answer for that uh zach caleros to me is just an amazing quarterback and chris Trevler should be a running back okay i don't think he's that good a quarterback he should be a running back or or a slot back uh, and that goes back to uh, never mind. We'll talk about that later. Okay, so uh, uh, interesting game. It was well done. Uh, Calgary just didn't look that good. Bo Levi, Bo Levi Mitchell looked like an average quarterback. Now, for years and years and years, I've been saying that 
Bo Levi Mitchell on an average football team is going to look like an average quarterback. Today, the Calgary Stampeders were not an amazing team. Mitchell kind of looked like an ordinary quarterback, just an average, mediocre type of quarterback. He just was not doing well. His, his numbers were very pedestrian, and that's the way I see it. That's the way I've always seen it. I have always seen through the fog around Foley by Mitchell because he's got a fog around him because everybody thinks that he's just this glorious quarterback, and he's not. He's not that good. He's just played on an amazing team, and the team is no longer amazing. Um, what pissed me off the most about this game and about him and just it not sorry, it didn't piss me off, but it just proves my point all the way along in all of the post game press conferences and all the quarterbacks, the winning ones, the losing ones, everybody out there gets interviewed after the game and they get to talk to the media and everything else. And all of the quarterbacks are either wearing their, what they wear, like their under armor or whatever else, or they're wearing their team colors or they put their Jersey back over top or whatever else. What does Bo Levi Mitchell do? He wears a hoodie for who is it? The Houston Astros. Is that what you said? A a basketball team or they baseball Baseball. or baseball team. He wears a, a Houston Astros hoodie. Are you a Calgary Stampeder or what? I guess he's not anymore because the season's over for him, so he doesn't give a shit about Canadian football. He's off playing some other thing. Uh, it just it it irks, he just irks me. I just cannot stand. The sooner this man can leave our league, the better. And Calgary needs to get a good quarterback. And and Calgary will be an amazing team again because that's who they are. They just need a better quarterback. Okay, Charles, again, no skin in the game. Go ahead. This game started out, and it looked like uh, it was going to go the way everyone seemed to think it was. Uh, I think most people had the uh, Stampeders as the favorite in this one. And quite, um, they started out all right with an early drive, but Winnipeg's defense deserves a huge amount of the credit for this game because they shut down the Calgary Stampeders offense from about the midway point of the first quarter pretty much for the rest of the game because they were getting very little done. Stampeders only ended up with 209 total yards. That is way lower than what the the Stampeders are used to. Uh, and they really shut the teams down. They they were not getting any sort of um, rhythm going, and it was really a um, one of those games where the defense really took it on their back. And then the the uh, Bombers were kind of spinning their wheels in the first half offensively, but then they got to the second half, and once they were once they were um, using the two-quarterback system as they were bringing, um, uh, of course, Strebler in off the bench and kind of switching him back and forth with Zach Caleros. That really seemed to confuse the um, Calgary defense, and that's when they had their big success. It was um, 14-8 to Calgary at halftime, and then Winnipeg outscored them 27 to nothing. In the second half, how do you get outscored twenty-seven to nothing 
in the second half in a playoff game when you're the home team. Uh, they were completely shut down. I'm going to disagree with you, though, about Bo Levi Mitchell. You said he looked average. God, he looked way worse than average. He only had 116 yards passing, 42% completion rate, 12 completions total, and three interceptions. That's a bad football game. I don't care who the quarterback is. Um, Zach Caleros um, didn't have spectacular numbers, but he was. They were good enough numbers. They were better, a whole lot better than Bowley by Mitchell. 103, 193 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Anytime you can go a full game and not give up an interception, uh, that's very important. You got a good shot to win that game. And then look at Chris Trevor. They were switching him back with Zach Caleros for the majority of the second half, but he did not throw a single pass in this game. Every play he was in, he ran the ball, or at least he was handing it off, and he ended up being the uh, Bombers' leading rusher with 13 carries for 82 yards, and it was really keeping the um, Calgary defense off balance. And uh, it just showed right there that uh, they were able to – make adjustments at halftime, and Calgary didn't. They had no answer for it. So I got to say, I'm impressed with the Bombers' performance. I did not think they were going to go into Calgary and beat them because McMahon Stadium had been kryptonite for the Bombers in previous years. They couldn't buy a win there, but they were able to uh, gut it out, make the adjustments at the half, and uh, pull out a big win. So good on them and a disappointing end to Calgary season, and we get uh, new champions coming this year. Yeah. So um, you're saying Chris Strebler was the number one uh, rusher for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. How do you think that's uh, sitting well with Anabolic Andy? Well, I mean, I don't care. It depends if he's a team guy or if he's about himself. If he's a team guy, he's not going to care. But if he's a guy that's, uh, you know, uh, all about stats and making himself look good, he'll be pissed off. But, I mean, I don't know if Andrew Harris is the type of guy to really get pissed off at that, but you never know. He, he's been pissed off most of the season when he's been playing with Chris Trevler because he's not getting the ball. And you can well, the see thing is, Harris the was still the leading st- – Harris still had more carries than anybody else. He had one more carry than Strebler, but, I mean, you got to look at it. Strebler was getting 6.3 yards a carry while Harris was getting 4.1. Well, you got to go with a hot hand. A, a smart coach will do that. Yeah, that just makes this common sense. Yeah. No, I, I'm not, not disagreeing with you. I'm not disagreeing yeah. with you. But I've been watching Andrew Harris all year. When Strebler's getting more tu- more touches, more carries than he is, he's getting pissed off. Yeah, he still won mm-hmm. the rushing title. He's still got more yards than anybody else in the league. But boy, was he angry for the latter part of this season. And, and not to mention the fact that he got suspended for two games. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, okay. Um, Mark, go ahead. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they're, they're victorious today. Yes, it was an interesting game to watch. Really, some of the coaching decisions by Dickinson were interesting, too. The challenge on the eight-yard pass for a first down early in the game, and you waste your challenge. It didn't come back to bite them, but that easily could. That was different. And in the, once the second half hit, it was it was Stripler running. 
It was Harris running. It was Dembski running. Uh, he busted off, I think it was a 30-yarder for a touchdown that really put the game, it, it really changed the game completely on that touchdown. It, it was, Calgary had no idea who to watch on a running play. They had no clue. You could really see how confused they were, especially with the Wildcat every so often. Uh, Strebler gutted it out. Kalaros did what we expect him to do. He's acting like Matt Nichols right now. That's the style of play he is right now. Is it's a Matt Nichols. hasn't had to change the uh, playbook for him. It's the same kind of offense. And it worked. And we have a deep threat at quarterback now, too, so that's kind of neat. But I just I found one thing on Twitter that I actually got a real kick out of, and it goes to the second half. Let me see if I can find the picture here. Ah, yes. Calgary's second half on offense. Two and out. Offense. Three plays punt. Two and out. Two and out. Two plays interception. One play interception. Five plays turnover on downs. So they got two first downs the entire second half. Anybody in this on this podcast, including myself, expect a Richie Hall defense to do that? Nope. Nope. That's how dominant the Bomber defense was in the second half. They made changes mm-hmm. and it shut them right down. It was interesting to watch that. That's it. Go ahead. William, up to you, my friend. Close it off. Sorry, what would you like me to say? Stampeders lost. I think, you know what? Only my Mitchell did play shit today. I thought the Stampeders defense played shit today. I thought uh, their defensive backs in the indirectly paid like shit today. Um, but I give full credit to the Bombers. And the most, the biggest difference I thought was usually at halftime, the Stampeders are the team that comes out with all the changes and that what's with, what wins them games. But in this game, it was obviously the Stampede, or the Bombers. And uh, I don't know, Dave Dickinson, what is it? The usual Dave Dickinson? And the Stampeders lost. So um, I have no issues with the Stampeders lost because, to me, it just tells me that they're they're not the team that I thought they were. And... You always find that out in the playoffs because you got to rise to the occasion, and the Bombers rose to the occasion today. So, and I I don't understand why the Stampeders didn't know when Strebler was going to run because I knew when Strebler was going to run. Well, that's because Strebler had the ball every time. Every fucking time he got the ball, he was going to run. Okay, and they didn't catch on to that. So that was their big downfall. And, yeah, Boley by Mitchell, um, pretty much, I think that's probably the worst game I've ever seen him play since I've been in Calgary. So, or since, since he's, he's been, been in Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, since he's been in Calgary. 
Oh. Okay, so um, the final score here was, oh, my God, Winnipeg Blue Bombers 34, Calgary Stampeders 14. 14 measly points. When was the last time Calgary only scored 14 points in a game? Even when they lost this year, they scored decent points. 14 points. You can't do that. Okay, so uh, let's see how this went down this tonight. Okay, Edmonton and Montreal. Charles picked Montreal. Will picked Montreal. Mark Phil picked Montreal. Phil didn't pick Christopher. CJ, me, picked Edmonton. I win. Okay, Winnipeg, Calgary. Calgary ended up uh, losing this game. And Charles picked Calgary. Will picked Calgary. Mark picked Winnipeg. CJ picked Calgary. Mark wins. Mark and CJ are victorious this weekend and have one point each going into the finals. Woo. Pretty exciting. I'm excited, Mark. How about you? I'll take Never. it. Yeah, take it. Yeah. Okay. And you're probably going to take Winnipeg again next week, right? Never mind. Okay. So, um, that's the end of the two games that we had. Uh, we don't really have – oh, look at that. It only took 40 minutes. So we're oh. going to go through a few of the other things here that Charles has put on the – hey, first off, one of the things I meant to mention here in our uh, podcast monologue at the beginning here or my podcast monologue at the beginning, um, on Friday night after the Winnipeg Jets game – uh, our, our our friend Todd Mogi, who actually takes care of the Let's Talk CFL Facebook group, uh, he he's walking out to his car and he got run over. <laughs> he got hit by another car. I'm sorry to laugh. It just sounds funny. Um, he he was hurt. They 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 carted him off. I don't know whether he actually went in an ambulance or when the police were called and all of this. I haven't got any details on it from Todd, but I I hope to suit just so that we can have a, a a good visual of what's going on. He spent two days in the hospital, so it wasn't just not like a little bing bang either that or that's how long the wait in the emergency room was. Um, and he uh, nothing broken, nothing damaged, nothing permanent. He's at home. He's a little sore. He's a little hurting, but he's happy his team won the football game. So uh, uh, sorry to hear that, Todd. Uh, get better soon. Everything else, we're all cheering for you to recover everybody. Well, at least everybody, but will. Uh, anyhow, so uh, <laughs> God, I know how to. Anyhow, um, yeah. Yep. So uh, what's that, Will? I. I said I'm glad that the uh, Bombers won for Todd Mogi, and yes, I do feel bad for Todd Mogi. okay? Yeah, because we all feel bad not. for you when you, like, crashed your bicycle. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, I just think that... Well, I did that on... I did that on my own. I didn't jump in front of somebody's car, okay? Come on. I know. I don't know why he would jump in front of somebody's car. It doesn't make sense. Unless alcohol was a factor, and you know, at the Jets game, it probably was. So I don't know. Did the Jets even want to win on Friday night? Yes, they beat the Canucks. Surprise, surprise. Really? Okay. I don't know. Are the Canucks doing okay this year? What's that? Are the Canucks doing okay this year, or no? They're kind of pathetic as usual. They've been playing really well until recently. They lost three in a row. Oh, so they're back to their normal self. 
Yeah, so okay. the, the, the plunge is coming. Okay, the, the real Canucks have stood up. Okay, um, so we're going to talk now, uh, going down the agenda list here. Um, where am I going to – I'm going to go look for the link here because it's probably important. Uh, Charles put it out there, so I better look at it. Uh, we're going to talk about the awards and the CFL awards that go through the finalist uh, type of things, and uh, we'll see what's going on here. So uh, let's talk about this. Most outstanding player in the West is Cody Fajardo. <laughs> really? Okay. And in the East, it's Brandon Banks. No surprise there. Uh, who do we think is going to win out of those two there? Uh, do you think Cody Fajardo and Brandon Banks are the proper representatives for their each division there, Charles? Uh, looking at it, I I know Brandon, Brandon, Brian Burnham, uh, I think, well, he got consideration, obviously, but um, I knew it wasn't going to go to him because typically they give it to a player whose team is going to the playoffs, right or wrong, that's kind of how it goes. So uh, I'm not surprised. So I have no problem with Fajardo. He did have a fantastic season. Uh, this award is going to Brandon Banks regardless. Um, he was easily the most outstanding player. Even though I don't like the guy, he was easily the most outstanding player in the league this year. So I don't have a problem with the selections, and Brandon Banks is going to win this. So even if Brian Burnham had make the Western nomination uh, against all odds, you still think Brandon yeah. Banks would have beat him? Quite likely, because he was the leader in, in receiving yards. Uh, I personally, if I had a vote, I would have voted for Burnham over Banks, but I don't get a vote, mind you, because uh, I think he was actually more... Cause the, here's the thing. It's most outstanding. It's most uh, outstanding player, not most valuable player. Those are two different things. And yep. quite frankly, to me this year, nobody was more outstanding than Brian Burnham. With some of the catches and plays, he was phenomenal. But too many people vote on it like it's most uh, valuable player, and that's why I think Brandon Banks wins it. Well, they're media personalities that, that vote on this. And if you look at the guys on the TSN yeah. panel, so you, you know that they're not the brightest stars on the planet in the That's solar true. system. So uh, uh, you know what I meant. Okay, uh, Will, Cody Fajardo from Saskatchewan and Brandon Banks in the East. Are you uh, agreeing with this, and who do you think is going to win? Brandon Banks. Yeah, I guess I can agree with it. Brandon Banks will win. As much as I dislike him, he'll win. Yeah. So Mark? Yeah. You don't have anything to add to that, do you? Not really, no. Um you have to go with Brandon Banks on this. And that's even and I would have voted for Burnham in the West. Over Fiardo. But I think even if it was Burnham, I would still take Brandon Banks. Just because of what he did this year. Yeah, he always gets the ball thrown to him. He's the main target. Hence, most outstanding player. A guy he's the only target. Half the, it, it, he's not, though. The other guys get a lot of catches, too. It's primarily a throwing offense there, so that's going to happen. Um, Fiordo, you, you could give him some votes on the most outstanding when you look at what he's done. Coming in as a, he's been a practice roster player really his whole time in the CFL. And to come in and just 
all he really did was win. Yeah, he's he's an excitable guy, maybe too excitable. He's kind of like a struggler in that he's fearless, loves to run, and now he's paying for it. You could give him some votes, but it has to go to Brandon Banks. He's by far the most outstanding. By far. So I don't really think there's much of a... Sorry, Ryder fans. Phil, you're probably screaming at your phone right now. Um, no, I just... Fiardo was very good, but he was, he wasn't over and above Brandon Banks. So. No. No, Banks no. is going to win this one. I, I have no doubt my yeah. mind on that one. Okay. Especially when you look at where Banks has come from. He was never used as a receiver. No, no, no. In he two was years, a returner. Yeah, that's all he was. And in two years, he's the best receiver in the CFL. So. Okay. Uh, most outstanding defensive player. In the West, we have Willie Jefferson. And in the East, we have Simone Lawrence. Hmm. One's a defensive lineman. One's a linebacker. Simone Lawrence is a linebacker, right? Um, who we got for picking here? Mark, go ahead. Take us off. Willie Jefferson in Winnipeg. You think he's a, that was a good pick for the West? Simone Lawrence in the East. Hamilton. Who wins? Yeah, I think it was a very good pick for Willie Jefferson in the West. And it's easy to pick Simone Lawrence in the East. That's an easy decision. Um, the homer in me says Willie Jefferson gets this. Uh, he did set a record or tied a record for most pass knockdowns in a season. He had a bunch of sacks. He had all over the field. But Simone Lawrence, I, when I just look at it as a CFL fan, I give it to Simone Lawrence. Yeah, he was suspended for dirty play. Whatever. He was spined again for dirty play. Yeah, and I do think he gets the award. He's just he's going to make a play every time Hamilton needs him to, and he does almost every single time. It's rare to see him held off the stat sheet, and Jefferson, from a sack standpoint, I don't think he's had a sack in the last three games. So he did go very quiet there. So, yeah, I give it to Simone Lawrence. Dirty or not, he's a damn good football player. Yeah, I don't even see um, see uh, Willie Jefferson on the on the in the stats at all for for um, defensive players. Maybe I'm just missing him completely, but I'm going down the list and he's not even in there. Okay. Charles, go ahead. Defensive player, Willie Jefferson, Simone Lawrence. Are you I echoing the sediments? Pardon? Are you echoing yeah, Mark's sediments I mean, here? you got to look at it. Uh, Simone Lawrence led the CFL in defensive tackles. Uh, he was among the league leaders. Well, he wasn't that, um, wasn't that high in sacks. But Willie Jefferson was third in sacks. This is a tough one to pick for me because um, – uh, I thought Willie Jefferson had a good year, but if I look at it, 
he only had 24 tackles this year. He had 12 sacks, but overall 24 tackles, that seems like a really low number for me. When you compare it to Simone Lawrence, uh, who had 100 tackles, um, yeah, to me, uh, I know he had 12 sacks, and he, was, he wasn't even first in that category. He was third behind Charleston Hughes and Jagard Davis from Hamilton. Uh, so if I'm looking at impact now, uh, he also only had, he had one interception. I don't think that um, uh, did Simone Lawrence have any interceptions. He had one interception. or No, he had three interceptions. If I'm looking at based on stats, yeah, he's um, Willie Jefferson. He's big. He's an imposing. He's an imposing presence. But if I'm looking, which of the two players had more impact? I gotta go uh, and give the uh, nod to Simone Lawrence because, quite frankly, uh, when I see that he had a hundred tackles and uh, four uh, sacks, three interceptions, and um, Willie Jefferson. He, he had a lot of sacks, but he really only had 24 total tackles. That to me is too low. So I'm gonna. Uh, to me, he was impact. He was more impactful on more defensive plays, and that's why I would give the nod to Simone Lawrence. Okay, William, most outstanding defensive player, Willie Jefferson, Simone Lawrence. You know what, and and I know I'm going to get flack for this, but to be honest with you, this year Willie Jefferson has not impressed me whatsoever. I don't care if he can knock the ball down 16 times. Have you ever seen the wingspan on the guy? All he's going to do is stick his arms in the air. Okay. Um, and you know what, the last three or four games he's been non-existent. He didn't even have a tackle today. So now I don't know if that's because the bar or the Stampers were so shitty, or if he was not a he was not part of the game. Um, I uh, think uh, Simone Lawrence should win this hands down, and I think he's a dirty player, but I still like him because I think he's all over the field. So, and he's on the best team in the CFL currently, so the team with the best record, anyways. So there you go. Pretty simple. I, you know what? I really don't think I can call Simone Lawrence a dirty player. Okay, I really I can't. I, I think he plays with more passion. He's more aggressive. I think he plays. I think he plays on the border. Okay, I think he plays. There's a fine line, um, and I think he's crossed it a couple of times this year. So. Yeah. Well. Uh, in looking up these stats that uh, Charles was just rattling off, because he's much better at this than I am, and I, I found some an, an amazing stat to me, uh, and, and then I thought about it, and then I go, okay, well, that wasn't that amazing. Um, who do you think has the most fumble recoveries this year? Don't look, Charles. Too late, so I won't answer <laughs> Mike Riley Mike Riley has the most fumble recoveries this year surprise, is that because he, he fumbles the most surprise. times no usually he Wait, gets why, why don't I see that here 
Usually he what? gets tackled, stripped of the ball, and then he falls on the ball when they're sacking him, okay? Oh. so what, What's that, Charles? I don't see that here. Most fumble recoveries this year is Mike Ryan with six. Hmm. And which is kind of I, funny because mine's just counting Williams, Hamilton has got four, but Vernon Adams Jr., Dane Evans, uh, they're the next. The, the top four fumble recoveries are quarterbacks, okay? What does that tell you? <laughs> it means that the fucking quarterbacks can't hold on to the ball. Yeah, my uh, list only has defensive players. That's why it's not on there. Oh, there you go. Okay. Uh, I just thought that was kind of cool, kind of funny. Okay, so, uh, oh, my God, I've lost my award finalist, so let me go over there. Okay, here we go. Uh, most outstanding Canadian, Cameron Judge, Saskatchewan, Enoch Mwamba, Montreal. I don't really think there's too much of a competition here, but then that's just my opinion. So let's see what the panel has to say. William, start us off here with Cameron Judge in Saskatchewan or Enoch Mwamba in Montreal. Who do you think is the most outstanding Canadian? I think uh, Cameron Judge. And the only reason I think he's the most outstanding Canadian is because I like his name. (laughs) That's it. Okay, I like his name. Um, Enoch Mwamba has been around for a while. And Cameron Judge has played quite well this year. He seems to be around the ball quite a bit and uh, not bad for Canadian, even though he plays just Saskatchewan. Other than that, I don't know. Go ahead. Okay. Um, What position does Cameron Judge play? I think he's a Sam, isn't he? Okay. Well, I'm just asking. Phil would know. He'd be able to tell me all sorts of things. But, uh, yeah, okay. So, he's a linebacker. Yeah. And uh, Enoch Mwamba is a D lineman, if I'm correct. Middle linebacker. No, no, he's a middle linebacker. He's a middle linebacker. Middle linebacker? Okay. Yeah. He actually is number two in in tackles for the year, right behind Simone Lawrence, and very close to Simone Lawrence. So, yeah. would be really char- hard to do that. In fact, I would think that uh, Enoch Mwamba was the number two pick uh, in the Eastern Division between for the outstanding defensive player. Hard not to give him the most outstanding Canadian, in my opinion. Just my opinion. So I think it should go to Mwamba. But uh, uh, Mark, what's your say? I agree. I think it should go to Mwamba as well. Cameron Judge is becoming a top defensive player. But Mwamba this year was a top defensive player, not becoming. He was one. Um, Judge has a few more stats. But he's also getting a lot more balls thrown to him in Montreal's off defensive style. Mwamba's a run stopper first. So that's why he is up there in tackles. But he's all over the field. He is everywhere, and he really is in charge of that defense. Um, It's close. You could go either way. But myself, and it's not a bias against Saskatchewan, I would go with Enoch Moamba. I just thought you heard his name every single game Montreal played. 
you always heard him doing stuff. So. Yeah. Well, he was he was he was a beast this year, no doubt about it. And and every year, he's a good player. Let's just face facts. He's one of the best players out there in defense. Charles, who are you going? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going also with Enoch Mwamba. He was the leader of that defense that really turned it around uh, in Montreal uh, this year. I thought he was. uh, You saw him constantly Uh, when you were watching Montreal games. He was always uh, seemed like he was always in on the tackle to be second in the league in tackles. Um, yeah, I just I just think he had a, an outstanding uh, season this year. I give him a lot of the credit for the resurgence of the Montreal Alouettes because, let's face it, this was not a good defensive team in previous years, but he's really been a stabilizing force there, and he was really strong, I thought, all year. He would be my pick for uh, top defensive player. Okay. So there, we just we just have Will over there, and for some weird, bizarre reason, he likes the name. Hmm. Is that like a man crush, Will? Okay. Uh, the next no. award. You know, I only have a man crush on one player in the CFL, CJ. Yeah, it's Bo. And that would be your. That's correct. Bo's my man. Bo's your man. Yeah. Bo. Okay. You suck today. Yeah, it's a true story. Uh, the next award is uh, confusing to me because my entire life I've always known it as the most outstanding lineman. And it's no longer the most outstanding lineman. It's now the Nissan Titan most outstanding lineman, which is kind of funny because an outstanding lineman to me is a big, bold, strong, tough, Bruiser, right? Because that's what O-linemen are. They're big. They're they're strong. They don't move around too much. They just kind of stick. Nissan Titan is anything but that. It's this pissy little wimpy truck, okay? It's not even a real truck. I think it's a girl truck, okay? So how can this truck uh, be a representative of the big, strong, bold lineman? It's not. It just doesn't work for me, okay? Nissan is doesn't make trucks. They make little cars that have this big. They took the trunk lid off, okay, and and, and it's a car without a trunk lid. Um, yeah, and I'm sure that there's somebody out there who just loves their Nissan Titan and and it's the best truck ever. And and there, it's almost as bad as like the people that, uh, what is it, the Toyota Tacoma guys? Oh yeah, they're the best truck on the market. No, they're not. No, they're Go not. Buy a real truck. Go buy a real truck. Okay, so the uh, most outstanding lineman board is a uh, in the West is Stanley Bryant, Winnipeg, and in the East it's Chris Van Zeel from Hamilton Tiger Cats. Oh, this one's hard to pick. No, it's not. Um, Will, who you you're, you're an ex lineman? Who are you going to pick here? Who who do you think was a better lineman this year? Uh, Stanley Bryant, hands down. I'm sorry. Stanley Bryant, hands down. Hands down, really. Hands down. You know why? I, you know why I say that? Here, here, here's you like his name. I say that. No, I don't like his name. Okay. He used to play in Calgary. He used to play in Calgary, but uh, Stanley Maybe Bryant's name is all. Stanley Bryant's name is mentioned every single year. 
for top offensive linemen on a regular basis. He's probably the most consistent offensive lineman in the CFL and he's been good forever. So, and I see him more than I see Chris Van Ziel. And I don't know if Chris Van Ziel is, is that good or not. I'm sure he is, but I'm going to pick Stanley Bryant. But just but because isn't, I can. isn't a lineman very similar to a defensive back? The, the, the better they play, the, least, the, the less you hear of their name. Because they're not yeah. getting burned. Yeah, what's your point? Well, if you hear Stanley Bryant's name all the time, then it's uh, it's usually not a good thing, is no, it? No, I. Oh my God, I'm not talking that way, you dumbass. I'm talking about. <laughs> I know Excuse about me. Stanley Bryant. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you a dumbass. You called me a dumbass. Well. But if the shoe fits, dance in it. Um. Uh. No, I. Uh, and I'm I'm sure you guys. I don't know if you guys do know this. When I watch football games, I watch offensive linemen quite a bit, especially when I watch them on TV at home. And Stanley Bryant is, he's an amazing offensive tackle, always has been, okay? And he does not, he does not get hurt, and he just keeps on going and going and going. And I think he's amazing. So that's why. Sorry. You don't like my pick? That's too bad. Didn't say I didn't like your pick. And once again, CJ, I apologize. I didn't mean to call you a dumbass. Anyways, you did. You I'm called just, me a dumbass on the radio. My, 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 brain, my brain is just a little cold today, and I'm still a little annoyed at the outcome of today's game. Okay? Sorry. I would be more annoyed at the, at the performance of my team than the outcome of the game, because the outcome of the game was inevitable when the performance of the team sucked. But that's beside the point. I'm not going to rub that in or gloat or anything like that. Because uh, I, I actually wanted Calgary to win. Uh, Charles, who do you think is the most outstanding lineman in the CFL? Stanley Bryant in Winnipeg or Chris Van Ziel in Hamilton? And do you think these are the best picks for the decision? Is there somebody else that would have been a better pick? Hmm, I'm so shocked that the Lions defensive lineman didn't or offensive lineman didn't make it. Yeah, no, I'm not. When you give up 58 sacks, you're not going to have an offensive lineman. Uh, I think these two are two of the top uh, linemen of the uh, year for the, each uh, conference. I would go to St- I would go with Stanley Bryant. Uh, they both had really good years, but if you look at the uh, if I'm you're looking at pure numbers, Winnipeg had nearly a thousand yards more rushing and gave up less sacks than Hamilton. And those stats are telling because that's a bit – a lot of people, they look at the running backs and so on and the quarterbacks there, but the offensive line, without a good offensive line, you're not getting rushing yards and you're not – and you're giving up sacks left and right. Look at the BC Lions for, for an example. Even though they had decent no, amount Stop of rushing yards. Stop using the but, Lions as a bad example. Well, <laughs> if the shoe fits, you know – um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Stanley Bryant because I think that I had yeah, thought most of the year that I had thought most of the year uh, the Bombers had the best defensive or offensive line in the CFL. I thought that for the majority of the year, and he's a big part of it, if not the top part of it. So I'm going Stanley Bryant. Okay. Well, do we even bring Mark in? I kind of know where he is. He's a little biased, but. 
He's going to vote for Chris Van Ziel, I'm sure. Yeah, right. No, yeah, yeah. Of course he is. Mark. No, he's not. No. You know, I'll give credit to Chris Van Ziel. He is a yeah. very, very good offensive lineman. But Stanley Bryant is simply the best in the CFL. And he's also the two-time reigning and defending champion of that award. He is just the best in the CFL. You do hear his name, Christopher, because all the commentators are constantly talking about how good his technique is. And all it is is compliments. You rarely see him get beaten. Very rare. And on a run-heavy team that's now into their third quarterback... They still had the second. They still averaged the second most points a game in the CFL. And you can't, you know, you can't even say it's Medlock anymore because he doesn't get anywhere near the field goals he did. This is just—he is simply the best. There's no doubt about it. He hasn't missed a game in his time with Winnipeg. His play gets better. It doesn't go down. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, no, I, there's no debate. There's no argument here. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's going to be Stanley Bryant. Who, who knew? I just don't know why it's called a Nissan Titan. That's that's the one that's really really kind of weird for me. Uh, this next one kind of is confusing to me. Uh, most outstanding special teams players: Mike Miller in Winnipeg and Frankie Williams in Hamilton. Uh, it, it, how's that even possible? I don't know. Very rarely. Anyhow, never mind. Uh, Mark, start us off here with your Mike Miller guy. I am definitely a Mike Miller guy. Um, he hasn't been here all that long, but of course you really don't hear about special teams guys. But watching this guy play, he is just in on every tackle. You think of how many chances they have to get a tackle. He had 25 special teams tackles this year. It's awesome. But Frankie Williams is going to get this award because he doesn't tackle guys. He runs for touchdowns. So he's the exciting guy. He led the league in punt return yards. He had a 1,020 kickoff return yards. So, yeah, we know who's getting that award. That's pretty easy. you got a guy who makes tackles or a guy who runs all over the field. So it goes to Frankie Williams. Okay. Go ahead. Charles, is this your sentiments as well? or? Yeah, it's going to go to Frankie Williams. Um, typically, this is very rare that this award goes to a guy that's uh, on the other side tackling. Um, the glamour position in this category is the kick returner, and the guy that leads the league in kick return yards has kick return touchdowns. It's going to go to him. It, it's uh, more high profile. Mike Miller's a great special teams player. Like Mark said, he's in – constantly on almost every special teams tackle and uh, he's a guy that's going to be around for a lot of years and but the the award's going to go to the guy that gets more notification being a special team tackler is a thankless job um even though it's a very important job because special teams is one third of uh Football, you got special teams, offense, and defense, but 
in reality, I think that this is pretty obvious that this is going to go to Frankie Williams. Okay. William, is this your sentiments or what? Well, no, my sentiments are this. My sentiments are this. I'm pretty amazed that anything that involves a kicker is called special teams. Okay? Because kickers are on the special team. Um, the guy who returns the ball gets my vote because he's more exciting than the guy who runs down the field and runs through people and makes tackles. So, I, I but agree, but reality, how come there's not a kicker here? Isn't this usually a kicker? But You're going to get a punter or a kicker reality, or something here? But in reality, I usually don't really don't care about special teams because they're special teams people. So, anyways... Careful what we talk about there. We get ourselves into yeah, it again. I know. It's your fault. Why? Special I don't know. Teams. It's a special. It's a special team. Yeah. Okay. And you're you're, you're meaning that in a short bus team. kind of way, right? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I mean, there's an offensive team and there's a defensive team, and then there's a special team, and I think that's because kickers are special. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Most oh. outstanding rookie of the year. Nate Hawley, Calgary Stampeders. Jake Wanker? <laughs> Wineke. No, I think he's a wanker. <laughs> In Montreal. Wineke. Okay, why can't people have normal names? I mean, at least I did well with Chris Van Zeel. I think that was pretty cool. And Enoch Moamba, I'm getting good with that one too. But uh, Anchor, okay, I'm not there. Nate Hawley and uh, Jake. Uh, Charles, I wonder if there's yeah, no PC one... lines in any of these categories. You know that? Yeah, kind I wonder why. Sad about that. Kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Nate Hawley uh, is my pick here. I thought he was outstanding on that Calgary defense. Uh, Calgary defense that had its struggles during the season, um, but I thought that he was really a standout there. 78 tackles as a, as a rookie is pretty pretty damn good when you add in 22 special teams tackles, a sack and interception. I, to me, he's um, uh, a good uh, pick there for outstanding rookie. Uh, Jake Wenicke had a good season as a rookie. Uh, 569 yards. Uh, he did have eight touchdowns, but uh, I'm going with the defensive guy here. I think uh, Nate Hawley deserves this one. Okay. And uh, Mark? Yeah, I'm going to go with Nate Hawley. Um, you heard his name a lot, and it wasn't as a pit player. He was on all the time. And to, it's obviously it's the system in Calgary, but these guys have to have the ability too, and they really didn't skip a beat with him. Uh, Weinicke was good; he came on a lot. You know, he he was the go-to receiver for Adams a lot on second downs. So, you know, he had a very good season, but it, I think you have to give it to Nate Holly. I just think it. <laughs> He has the stats to back it up, and he was on the field all the time. So, 
That's it. Okay. And Will. You know what? I like Weiner Key or Wanker or whatever you want to call him. He's scored some big touchdowns this year for Montreal on their comeback trail. Um, but my vote will definitely go to Nate Hawley. This is a guy who had Homer. 78 tackles. I think he uh, was second best on the Stampeders. And uh, he's not even a full-time guy. So he seems to always be around the ball. And I think the Stampeders have found their next Canadian middle linebacker. So we shall see. It's it's hard to argue that one. Without question, Nate Hawley's going to win this. Hands but down. wait, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Nate Hawley's going to win it. For sure. Okay, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Coach of the Year has never been East-West before. Do you, do you guys notice that? Because it's always been, it's usually not it, even a, awarded until like February. They've um, changed that in recent years. They changed though. that, and it's lately it's been do it's been done because it always went to the coach that won the Grey Cup, which was stupid. Right, but, yeah, pretty um, much every year. Yeah, so now they they award this the, the, put this award out before the Grey Cup game, so you can't do it to whoever's in there. You might even these guys might not even make it to the Grey Cup game. Um, but it's never been an East-West thing. You could have Orlando Steinauer against Kahari Jones for this award, and both of them being Eastern team coaches, which kind of just seems ironic that the pathetic state of the Eastern Division to have two coaches from the Eastern Division as Coach of the Year, but you really could have done that. Okay, so we got Craig Dickinson for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from the West, and we got Orlando Steinauer in Hamilton, Uh I don't really have a problem with Craig Dickinson. He probably was the best coach in the Western division. I just don't think he's the second best coach in the CFL. Um, Orlando Steinauer, rookie coach, uh, hands down. Hamilton is the the class of the CFL right now. Got to give him coach of the year. No arguments from me on Orlando getting this one. I've always liked Orlando Steinauer. I, I think that his coaching and it, uh, his head coaching debut came way later than it should have. He should have been a head coach a long time ago. And if it wasn't for that dickhead, Kent Austin, it probably would have. Um, Mark, you take this one away here. Craig Dickinson, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Orlando Steinauer, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Coach of the year, who is it? If I had to vote right now, I would vote for Steinauer. But you can make a very strong argument for Craig Dickinson. Steinauer walked. He did get to have a stacked team. And he was with Hamilton. He lost his quarterback in, like, what, week two or three? Yeah. Saskatchewan he, lost theirs in week one in the first in the third Yeah, but play we knew that game, was going to happen. Play. I know. Dickinson, you can make an argument, though, because everybody expected them to finish where? Uh, I picked them for fifth. Yes. But yeah. then I, I pick riders every year did. for fifth because I just don't like I them. Can't, 
I don't remember where I picked them, but it was probably close to fifth. And they finished in first place in an extremely tough division. Yep. Steinauer finished in first place in an extremely weak division. So you can make a very strong argument for Craig Dickinson. I still am going to vote for Steinauer because of just how good Hamilton is or was during the regular season. You know, they were 9-0. and They lit up the league. They've got two of their players as the, up for the top offensive and defensive players. So, yeah, you have to go with Steinauer, I think. But like I say, you can make an argument for Dickinson. And we all know how the CFL likes to keep the Ryder fans happy. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it. And like I say, you can make a strong argument for him to win it. This is actually a tough call. You think? That's it. You think think this is really a tough call? Yeah, I do. Like I say, you can make arguments on both sides. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Well, Charles, what's your argument? I feel. I think I'm also going to go with Orlando Steinhauer, but I, I've I've honestly thought about this, and I have been back and forth a few times on this. Um, I think that um, you know you can make, I think, a pretty compelling argument for both guys. I think it's a tough one. I think you can make an argument for both Steinauer and um, if you look at them, they're almost parallel to one another. Uh, they both lost their starting quarterback early in the season. They're both um, um, rookie. you know, rookie head coaches. They both finished first in their division. Um, I think it's really, uh, I, I'm with Mark. I think this is a tough call. Uh, the reason I give it to Steinauer, well, there's a couple reasons. First off, he won um, the most games. To win 15 games in a season, that's impressive. I know you're in a bad division. It's still not easy to do, especially as a rookie. This team also last year, which was a very similar football team, uh, a lot of the same personnel, finished 8-10, and 10, and that was with their starting quarterback. He was able to turn them around and get them to 15 wins without the starting quarterback. So I really think that um, when you look right at it, he did the best job. Uh, I can certainly see why people see say Craig Dickinson because he did also a phenomenal job. I think this is a very, very close category. But when it comes right down to it, I give it to Steinauer. I just think uh, he was a little bit better. Nine and zero at home. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I mean, just let that one sit in thinking for a minute. Nine and zero at home. How do you get nine and zero at home? That's exactly. He also yep. had eight wins. He he, the Hamilton Tiger Cats won more games against Western opponents than they did Eastern opponents. So we always say that the Eastern division is a gimme to, you know, the number one team in the East. Uh, Yeah. There's less teams there. There's only three teams to play where you get to play five in the West, 
uh, but he won eight games in against Western opponents and only seven against Eastern opponents. Mm-hmm. And yes, he plays more games against Western opponents. But still, that's pretty bloody amazing. But nine and zero at home. William, go to the air. Who do you think? Well, you know what? I think can't be can't be Dave Dickinson. Okay, I just want you to share that with you. Okay, I know. Can't I think Dave. there's a conspiracy. I think there's a conspiracy in the CFL. And the only reason Devon Claybrooks didn't get a vote was because he wears his hat crooked. And, <laughs> and I think they're a bunch of racists. And I think that's and I think that's a bunch of discrimination and racist and and man, I'm telling you. So if that's the case, I think it is a toss up between Steinhauer and uh, and Dickinson. And in my mind, Dickinson takes it because. After all, he was a special teams coach, was he not? That's all he was. Yep. And uh, his team finished first in the division. And he was the he was the default pick because Saskatchewan couldn't afford to bring in somebody from the outside. Well, nobody on so, the outside wanted to go there. Right. That short notice. So... I like Dickinson. I like Steinhauer. I think they're both great coaches. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a toss-up. But the true winner should have been Devon Claybrooks. And then maybe he'd get a job next year. But I'm just saying. So He might get a job next year. It won't be as a head coach. But he doesn't need a job next year because they got to pay him for a year. Pay him for the year. Yep. I still have not got confirmation from anybody that a fired coach's salary goes against the salary cap. I got to think it yeah, has to. Yeah, I was to curious about that the too. Point. What, what's that, Charles? That too. I got to think it would have to because what would be the point if it didn't? Well, here's my argument on this: is that if you, if that's the case, then you're penalizing poor teams from getting better. Yeah. Okay. Like the Calgary Stampeders, they're 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 not going to have a turnover on their coaching staff this year. Okay. They're not going to fire anybody because they lost. It's not. It, they're not going to have a turnover on that, right? So, um, they're a good team. So they're 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 set. But the BC Lions, they're going to turn over their entire coaching staff because they should. Now, if all of the te- players, all of the coaches, had two-year contracts which I don't know if they do or not, um, you're penalizing the team for trying to get better. Now, I think that what this is going to do is make it so that no coach has a contract greater than one year. Okay? Unless you're, you're extremely sound with, with their coaching, like Dave Dickinson, right? Where you're, you know that he's going to be here next year no matter what. So you could do that. But most other coaches, I mean, why would you have signed Orlando Steinauer to a multi-year co- coaching career uh, contract? You had no idea how he was going to perform. Well, you're going to do it because that's how you get your coaches to stay, and that's how you get your coaches to perform for you is you give them multi-year contracts, give them the confidence that, you, you know, that 
you're going to you you agree you believe in them the faith there but what if you don't like Devon Claybrooks now got fired so how can you penalize the BC Lions for trying to improve their team their mm-hmm. their team sucked this year they were 5 and 13 so they have to get better so if you get a hold that salary against BC Lions salary management cap, then we can't afford a head coach for next year. Where's the logic? Where it's not sound. Mm-hmm. So then I'm thinking it can't count. I, I can't see how it counts. Because then nobody would be able to afford coaches if they fire all their coaches one season. Agree. Right? What's the point in having a cap then? Right. That's the thing. That's well, what I don't get. Well, I, I, well, I know exactly why for, we have why, why do we have a season. Why do we have a salary management cap for the ma- for managers? Why? Mm-hmm. I got dead silence on the radio here right now. Why? I'm not sure. So they don't spend ten million on coaches? What? Yes. Have they been? No, they have not historically been paying $10 no. million for coaches. They have not been overpaying for coaches and managers. So why do we have it? It's probably because of the Players Association were complaining about it. Because the Players Association are whining their ass off. No, no other reason. They, they, they need to have a salary cap for the managers because the players go, why do we? Why are we penalized? Why are we being held back? And you can pay Chris Jones nine hundred thousand dollars this year. Well, he he wore five hats. He had five jobs. So you know, you could do that. But that's the reason why there's a salary management system in place for the coaches and managers of the CFL is because the players. Uh, association demanded it in the last CBA. It's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous. It, does any any other league have this? Have you ever heard of it? I haven't, no. In, in yeah, any league, I don't the, care. Just reading Aussie the press rules release. Football. Just reading the press release that the CFL originally put out, nowhere in there is it mentioned. It doesn't mention anywhere in here about fired coaches. No, Nothing. I've never seen any any word about it, whether it counts or Maybe, not. Maybe, yeah. We just assume it does because the team is still paying it. Yeah, I mean. To me, it seems like the same as if you cut a player. I mean, if you cut a player, you still got to pay him his salary. Yeah, not if you do if it before Labor Day. It, I was going to say if it's past Labor Day. So, I'm not sure. I mean, the reason why, um, you know, the, the the contracts out there right now for the players or you know you can have a 3 year player contract and 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 release the player and you don't have to pay the contract okay mm-hmm. that's because that's negotiated by the teams in the CBA and the players association has not had that removed where the coaches uh contracts are under uh, typical contract law 
says that you signed a contract, so you're going to pay it out regardless of whether or not you use the person. Right? Right. Because the coaches' contracts are under contract law, where the players' contracts are under the CBA. And the CBA, it's been negotiated that they are not firm contracts. It, it, it's it's weighted on the side of the teams as opposed to the players. And the players don't like that, so they kind of wanted a salary cap. If we can't control the, the, the other the coaches' salaries in, an, in any way, then maybe we can do this this way. And that's kind of what, what it, how it played out. But I, I don't understand how you could penalize a poor team for trying to get better. Makes no sense to me. Nope. Okay. Did everybody go on this Coach of the Year thing and we all kind of think it's Orlando Steinauer? Yep. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up we have, could Danny Machocha be the answer in Ottawa? This one confuses me. Where did this come from? Because the only team that I've heard Danny Machocha's name mentioned anywhere is with the Montreal Alouettes. And how did this Apparently, all of a sudden? I just Go ahead. See, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think it was in this article, but I did read somewhere that he does have some sort of a relationship with Marcel Desjardins. I don't exactly know what it is, but that's, I think, probably why this is being asked. He was one of the finalists for the um, coaching when Campbell got the job. Right. That. I mean, he he basically runs the uh, Carabins, right? The the, the, the Laval University Or. Yeah. Right? I believe that's true, yes. University University of Montreal. The Montreal Caravans or whatever the Car- Carabins. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's the Carabins, not the Rousseau. Sorry. Uh, yeah, University of Montreal Carabins. And he's he's basically runs the entire organization, right? He's the coach, general manager, next to yeah. God, and everything. So why would he go off and... I don't know. I don't know. Everybody thinks that he's going to go back to Montreal because he's a French-speaking uh, coach, and that's uh, that would be – I mean, they've only had one French-speaking coach the entire time, and it was Jacques Chapelaine, and I don't really think they gave him the, the, the correct opportunity to do this and uh, fired his ass too soon. Uh, I don't know. Okay, Charles, you put it up there. What do you think? What's going on? Could Danny Machocha be the answer in Ottawa? Uh, I don't think Mark Campbell was the problem. No, to me, the biggest problem was probably um, the guy running things, that being um, Marcel uh, uh, Desarnan. I think he was a big part of the problem because he let his team get raided in free agency, he didn't replace him with anybody. So, yeah, I think he's a big part of the problem. 
I don't think the coaching was a problem. So I think the biggest issue there would be uh, bringing in a guy who, a coach that's going to get along with Marcel Desjardins because it's pretty evident the way it ended with uh, Rick Campbell that they did not get along very well. So he's got to bring in, I don't know what happened there. I don't know all the details. We might never know all the details. So he's got to bring in someone that he's going to be able to get along with long-term. So whether that's Marsha or whether that's Danny Machocha or whoever, um, I don't know. But that's the big thing. So is he the answer? I don't know if he's the answer. Uh, he might be the answer, but it might not be the right question. But um, I don't know. It's it all depend on who can get along with uh, Desjardins. That's the big thing there, I think. So, can um, Machocha do it? We'll have to wait and see. So, you guys remember Draft Day? Great movie, right? It's one of my favorites. We talk about sure. it often on this show. And you remember when he's sitting there and uh, the coach says, you have just traded away the, the, the future of this team? That's it. I can't coach a team like that. I quit. Isn't that kind of what Rick Campbell did to Marcel Desjardins? A little bit. He, he let his quarterback go. He let his number one receiver go. He he got rid of number one running back. He got rid of his best linebacker. Uh, he got rid of everything. How can Rick Campbell coach that team? Of course he was mad at his general manager. Three and... 15 after winning a great cup. Here's Dominic Davis and uh, Jonathan Jennings. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah, think they had a great working relationship this year? I guess not. Jesus. He was probably, probably pissed off right from the start after the way they got absolutely, um, absolutely um, decimated during free agency. Yeah. And and it was for no fault but the general manager got into a pissing match over a signing bonus. Yep. You know, 20 grand. You lost your starting quarterback over 20 grand. Moron. And now you lost your head coach because of it as well. William. Yes. What do you think here? Yeah, I mean, you uh, followed you know him when he was up in Edmonton. Was he that good of a head coach in Edmonton? He was head coach and general manager. I think everybody thought he stunk. He won a great cup. He did? Yeah. But did he inherit that that's team or it. what? Well, that's debatable, How was he the I year guess. After? Kind of like Benavides in BC, uh, wasn't not it? Very, not very, great the next not year very good. <laughs> went downhill. But you know what? Whenever whenever there is a coach coaching vacancy, his name always comes up. So I think But only in Montreal. Well, no, I've heard him in Toronto as well. So but whatever. Um yep. I don't know if he's a good coach. You know what? He has a winning program in Montreal. Okay. So yep. and he won a great cup in the CFL. 
So, and I, I mean, I personally think he fits better in Montreal than anywhere else. And I mean, but Ottawa, Desjardins, and and him have a relationship. The relationship probably isn't that they're French, maybe. Okay, um, and he would get along well in that community. I don't know, but uh, he has to be a viable. He has to be a choice. I mean, we've lost recently. We've lost so many good coaches going to the XFL or somewhere else, and we got to start retaining some of these guys. But I think Danny Machocho's name gets thrown in there because. A lot of these guys are now head coaches somewhere else, if not in the CFL. So why not Danny Machocha? He can't do any worse. He'd be better than a than a, whatever that guy's name was last year that was in Montreal, Sherman, okay, because he didn't have a clue. Danny Machocha knows Canadian football. Mm-hmm. So I'd say give him a chance. What the hell? Hmm. Interesting. Mark. You know, every time we talk about Danny Machocha, all I picture is the Winnipeg Edmonton game with the Milt Stiegel touchdown at the end and just the look on his face. Um, I never liked him as a head coach. I just looked up his stats and it was about what I expected. Yes, he did win a Grey Cup uh, with an 11-7 team. And then he went seven and eleven, five and twelve, and then they fired him at ten and eight. Um, so he's thirty-three and thirty-eight as a head coach. Is he an awesome university coach and administrator? Yes. Is he an awesome coach? Head a coach in the CFL? Yeah, not when you look at that record. I think Ottawa. Needs to find somebody young, some new blood, with CFL ties, but not necessarily a big name. Machocha could help in the short term, I think, but not long term. I just think he loses the room too quick because he's too used to university players where he is the demigod. And when you come to pro football, you're now just the guy. So I I wouldn't bring him in myself, but I guess he's got the experience. So, yeah, I'm just tired of the retread of coaches. Same guys mentioned every time. Well, that's because we piss off the good ones and they head away, like Demi Alvando. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it, and, you know, and we lost Chris Jones. And uh, what other coaches have we lost in the last little while? You can't count June Jones because he was never really here. Nor his partner in crime. Who was? What was the defensive guy's name there that was in his early hundreds? Who's that? Um, June Jones? Jerry Glanville. Jerry. Yeah, Glanville. Jerry Glanville. Yeah, Jerry Glanville. The, the old guy. Always leave a ticket for Elvis. <laughs> you got to like him. 
Okay, so uh, let's move on from that. Danny Machocha in Ottawa. What? He keeps saying no to the Montreal Alouettes. Is he going to say no to the Ottawa Red Blacks? That's a, a, a confusing one for me. Okay, segment five. Is Cody Fajardo and the Riders, that's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, giving out too much information on his condition, his injury? Can we now play against his injury? Are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going to take this advantage and use it somehow in uh, planning their game against them for next weekend? Uh, is that the answer? Uh, is are, Should they be tight-lipped like uh, Michael Shea? Uh, I'll have to watch the film first. Um, yeah, so what's going on? Are they saying too much about his? Uh, his he's in pain and he's going to play in pain and uh, no matter what, he's playing next week, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, Charles. All I know is that typically around uh, playoff time, uh, teams don't like to discuss specifics with injuries. They don't want to give a team that they're going to play uh, any sort of conf- uh, uh, competitive advantage. With the way that, um, with the way that Fajardo has been talking, how he's going to play through the pain and so on. If I'm the Bombers next week, I'm blitzing the hell out of this guy, because if he's talking like that and he is that uh, sore, I'm going to want to knock the hell out of him because. If he's that sore, maybe he go. We get him out of the game. I mean, to me, I don't know why they're giving up this information. If I'm just saying, uh, say he's day to day and leave it at that. Don't don't just say how that how bad your injury is, because you're just letting uh, people uh, in uh, that could. Um, you're giving them the opportunity uh, to take a shot at take shots at you and to expose a potential injury. So I just think they're just talking way too much. I think they should keep this uh, a little bit more quiet and um, not be putting this stuff out there. Okay. And William. Yeah, I guarantee you every, uh, every blue bomber knows where the oblique muscle is now. Okay. They've probably studied it. Um, yeah, I think that's too much information to give out. I mean, you should say upper body, lower body, or as Mike O'Shea says, I never comment on players' personal injuries. That's his favorite quote. I never comment on players' injuries. It's a personal thing. What a douchebag. Anyways, um, yeah, they are giving out too much information. I don't know why you would give out information like that. Kind of silly. It does. And Mark, what's your thoughts on that one? Is this an advantage to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? I think so. Um, it's not even the coaches giving out information. Um, Players. Before, the game that Fiardo sat out, the last home game of the season, he actually said to the media, if he had played, he risked 
never being able to play football again because of the injury. He just put a massive target on that oblique muscle. Yeah. To say something like that and now say he's going to play through the pain, he's guaranteeing he's going to play, there's a bullseye on that muscle. I just think it's silly that you would say stuff like that. That's not gamesmanship. That's just dumb. Especially with the spin move he likes to do. He's going to be wide open on one of those spin moves, and his back is going to get destroyed. Well, how do you think it got hurt? Yeah, that spin move, you always knew once the teams got used to it, it's going to hurt when you get hit. Now it's going to hurt even more. I will, I'll be shocked if the Bombers don't come out blitzing right off the right from the word go because oh, they're yeah. crazy not to. I'd be shocked if Fajardo plays. Yeah, that's also a possibility. He might not play. Well, to say something like he risked never being able to play again, he shouldn't be playing. And if he's saying that, that team doctors should be sitting him down. Wait, if the team doctors are signing off on saying he's good when he's saying that he could have ended his football career. Hello? Yeah. Nobody's arguing. There's way way too much information about it. Way too much. We all know know Strevler's got something broken in his foot. It's pretty obvious. But O'Shea says, uh, no comment. But there is one other potential possibility here is that this is all a smokescreen from the riders. That they're giving out misinformation. I'm not saying it is, but you can't rule that out either. No, very true. Hmm. Wow. Well, we've run through this show pretty quick, so let's uh, run through the last couple of things here that really don't mean much. Uh, BC Lions have released Duran Carter. Was this his last chance in the CFL? Uh, releasing Duran Carter at this point in time makes zero sense to me. He was on a one-year contract. It would expire in February, so he should just – it would just expire. Nobody would give him a release outright. It made no sense to release him now. Uh, you just say, okay, well, we're not going to sign you. We're not offering you a contract. Uh, you're under contract until February. So Duran Carter had to have asked for his release, in my opinion, because he wants to go sign a contract with the XFL or wants to go to the Arena League, knowing that he's not coming back to BC and that nobody else in the fucking league wants him. So that's my take on it. I think this was Duran asking for a release more than it was the BC Lions cleaning house. Uh, Everybody goes, yeah, we got rid of the bomb. He was no good, yada, yada, yada. Well, I don't think that's why. I don't think that's why he got released. It doesn't make sense to do that. It, it it just wouldn't happen. I mean, yeah, you don't want the guy, but when was the last time you heard that? You you always had things that were, okay, you got to wait till free agency before you can go sign with another team. 
How often do you get your out-and-out release before free agency? Yeah. It doesn't happen. Not unless the players ask to go to the NFL or ask to go do something else. Now, I don't think Deron Carter's going to the NFL, so uh, that's, that's totally out of the realm of possibility here. But going to the XFL is not. And he's, he's bopped around the CFL too much. He's, he, no, he's not coming back. To the, who's going to ta- pick him up? Shit, man. Maybe Ottawa. I don't know. Anybody want to talk on Deron Carter? Charles, you kind of made a comment there. I was just saying, the more I thought about it, I didn't know uh, why they would bother uh, doing that either. He's got to have a reason that he um, uh, that he um, released, and I think you're right. I think that he probably requested it, and just uh, he wants to go. I, I think he's going to try out to get on, catch on down to the XFL, and that's why they do it, because... There's really no advantage to the Lions of doing it because, A, it's already way past, uh, obviously, Labor Day, so you got to pay him his full salary regardless. And, B, he was only on a one-year contract, so come February, he's not their problem anymore anyway. So this has to be uh, Deron Carter asking for a uh, release because there, there's no other um, reason, there's no other way this makes sense. So I, I'm thinking that he's, you're right, he's going to probably try and go to... Um, uh, the XFL, I'm guessing. Do you see it any other way, uh, Mark? No, that's how I see it, too. We can move on. I mean, shit, uh, if, if the BC Lions were releasing players because they didn't want them for next year, I think half the roster would be gone. You know, I'm just saying, you know, why pick on Duran? There's, there's a lot of yeah. players that underperformed this year. William. Don't care. Move on. Move on. Okay. Uh, this is we, we we got a don't care up here too. Uh, Stefan Logan. Okay, he uh, was arrested this week, running back for the Red Blacks, uh, entering into New York, the state of New York. Uh, he was arrested because of failure to. Uh, pay child support to a woman in the state of Michigan. So he's being currently being held in the state of New York without bail pending uh, statewide extradition or transfer or whatever it's called over there. Um, this is not something that is going to affect his career in the CFL. You know, so he did get he got caught paying his child support. I think Brandon Banks, the same thing happened to him. Uh, so that's not going to stop him from coming back. But at 38 years old, do we expect him to be back in the CFL? He did tear it up for quite well this year. He didn't. He, he, you know, he was. He wasn't showing his age. But is this it? Is he done now? Is this going to be a hard one to to to, to handle, William? I know. Don't care. Don't dare. Anywhere. Hit the button. Right? Well, I, I I no no I do I do um, but 
sorry. <laughs> oh my lord. Did I forget what I was talking gonna say? I did so Oh senior moment oh, on I, Will. I, why did I why did I forget? Oh, okay. Let's talk about yeah, his career is over in the CFL. I don't think it has anything to do with this. But uh I don't know if we'll let him back into Canada once we realize he's a deadbeat dad. Did I say that out loud? Whoops. He is a but that's beast. not a crime in Canada. Uh, and that's, you can't get well, arrested for it in Canada. Well, you don't get arrested for it, and his kids are probably in the U.S., so we'll never know. But it just goes to character. I'm sorry. And do you want a guy like that on your team? And And was he stupid enough that... He didn't realize that if he went back to the States, he'd get arrested. Yeah, that that's the big one for me. Yeah. I mean, you got to okay, know that like, there's a warrant out for your arrest in, in Michigan. So do you think going into New York would be okay? Yeah. What a fucking bozo. Yeah. Oh, well. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to say on this one. Mark, Charles, you want to bark on this one or Stefan Logan done in the CFL? No, I don't have a lot to say about it. I think at this point with his age anyway, he's done. Um, and it could affect him coming across the border. It may not be illegal here, but he still has charges. So does Brennan Banks. Yeah. So do half no, the I NFL players. I think he's done anyway. At 38, let's be honest. I'd rather talk many, about the other two guys that are done that Phil posted. The what? John Bowman. John Bowman. Yeah. And who's the other one from Calgary today? Brandon Smith. They're both oh, finished. Oh, Phil posted. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can talk about them next show. Yes. Okay. So move on to the last thing here, Charles. You put up a thing on uh, – Three Down Nation put up the likability rankings here. Is this is this going to take longer than the four minutes that we've got left in the show? It was kind of a – I was just worth. finishing up the agenda. I was just kind of throwing it in to fill some time because just in case I didn't even know if we'd get to it, quite frankly. But what is this, it, It's not it, a it's really just, serious oh, – it's more it, satire than anything else, but it's – Ranking the uh, six playoff teams based on their likability to the fans. Hmm. I just thought it was kind of humorous. And I was surprised Montreal, that Saskatchewan wasn't last. Montreal, I'm surprised uh, Saskatchewan it, wasn't first since they're Canada's team. I'm surprised Saskatchewan's even on the list. Um, Montreal was number one, the most likable team. Uh, the head coach dances to Led Zeppelin songs during the game. Hmm. Starting quarterback is a ton of fun to watch. Okay. I can see how this is going. A satire in a little bit. I'm still a little confused on uh, Zach Caleros and why he's putting in the effort in Winnipeg. He knows he's not going to be there next year. 
Why? So Money. he's gonna get paid. He's gonna get paid no matter what. So why would you go out and perform right now? Why would you go out there and risk your life? Why would you throw anything on the line? You know you're out of there in two weeks no matter what. That you know they have to pay you no matter what. Why don't you just take because, a pass because on this? He's a competitor. He's a professional athlete. Okay, and this is what it's all about. There you go. Wants to win a Grey Cup. Because if he goes back to if he goes back to Toronto next year, he ain't gonna win a Grey Cup in Toronto. I guarantee it. Don't be careful what you wish for. Not next year, anyways. You never know. Nobody expected to win them in 2016, and they did. Mm-hmm. Was it 2016 or 17? One of the wouldn't two. It be, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be cool to have a uh, have a uh, a? Uh, <clears throat> come on, Will. Wouldn't it be cool to have a Winnipeg, um, Edmonton, Edmonton Great Great Cup, two former. Toronto Argonauts quarterbacks. That'd be interesting. Well, there's definitely some storylines in there. Yep. I mean, look at it. Would, I mean, next week you look at this. We got Zach Calero started the uh, season with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And now he's finishing it with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, playing Saskatchewan. And if he and if he beats the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He could be playing in the Grey Cup against his former team, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, the Another team that story. traded him. Yeah, the team that ditched right. his ass. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because did they actually trade him or did they just release him? I can't remember. No, they traded him to Toronto. Yeah, they did. Or, yeah, they traded him or to no. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, no, they did. They traded him to Toronto. Saskatchewan he traded Toronto to Hamilton. He started yeah. in Toronto. Right. He he went to That's Hamilton right. in free agency. Right. That's right. That's right. Lost, and he got traded to Saskatchewan, from... traded to Toronto, then traded to Winnipeg. Okay. So yeah, they they let him walk for nothing. Yeah, he was traded to Saskatchewan for a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. And then he was traded to Toronto for a conditional fourth-round pick. And then he was traded to Winnipeg for – it was an exchange draft pick. Oh. Yeah. Anyhow. A draft pick. A draft pick. Mm-hmm. The player to be named later. Pick. That's the one thing I remember from Kevin Costner. Another good sports movie was uh, Bull Durham. And when he walked into the thing and he goes, I'm the player to be named later. <laughs> yeah, right. I always, I always thought that was a, a good line. Left. I know that. Uh, she's about to sit, tell me that, too. I'm going to let her finish her talking to me because that noise the shit out of me when I'm talking. Okay. It's been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 411. I've been your host, Christopher Jones. We've been talking football, playoff football with the panel. And I'll let you, we'll go around it and then I'll let them say goodnight. Uh, Charles Cliff, go ahead. Have a good night, folks. Um, we'll talk to you Wednesday when we preview the uh, 
division finals. Do we want to do it Wednesday or do we want to do it Thursday or Friday or a little later? Because the game is I'm Sunday. Good. I'm flexible, so I'm good either way. Okay, we'll talk about that later, guys. Uh, Mark, right. say good night. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next week, and PC sucks. Oh, fuck off. You couldn't pick on somebody other than BC. Will, say goodnight. Good night, everybody. Go Owls! They're gone! They're gone, all right.